Thank you for tuning into this episode of Question This Life. You can listen to the podcast at questionthislife.com as well as all of the main podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe and get involved. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in again. Welcome to Question This Life. Thanks for joining me on another week of the show. For all the regular listeners, thank you for coming back. Thank you for supporting the show. Thank you for following the social channels and for liking and commenting on the show wherever it is that you listen to it. The show is available on all platforms, essentially, all audio-only platforms. As far as video, I'm still considering options and there's a lot of different places that the show could move to in terms of video content. I'm obviously a little bit hesitant to use some of the more mainstream and popular platforms because of all of the problems that come with that. I'm sure that you are all very aware of that. So... Watch this space definitely for the video option, but for now you can hear the audio-based version of this show on all of your favorite podcast-consuming platforms. It's on Spotify, it's on iTunes, it's on Stitcher, it's on Pandora, it's on iHeartRadio and SoundCloud and much, much more. So get it while it's hot and keep tuning into the show. And if this is the first time that you're joining, welcome. Come on in. It's uh, really great to have you here. Whoever you are, wherever you are, thank you so much for joining this show because I know just how much content there is out there. There are literally hundreds of thousands, maybe millions, maybe millions of millions of shows online for you guys to listen to. So, for whatever reason, you're listening to this one, and I'm hugely appreciative of that. So with that in mind, just a little bit of housekeeping. As per every week's episode, I will be splitting this into two sections. The first section, usually a little bit shorter, is a rundown of my week gone by, a couple of the more personal things that are kind of going on in my life, a few little active situations that are happening over the last week or so, um, I'm kind of, I touch on a lot of the same sort of themes in this part, so you can kind of catch up and see what's going on in my world. And then the second part of the show is more of a deeper dive into uh, an esoteric topic or some kind of alternative theory, alternative history, alternative science topic, um, something that I've been studying, or a deeper dive into some historical stories of mine, some personal experiences, things that have really kind of hit home hard for me. And the purpose of this show in general is essentially what it says on the tin, essentially what it says on the cover. I just want to be questioning everything. I don't want to ever get stuck in any ego beliefs. I want to make sure that my mind is always open and that's taken me down some pretty weird and wonderful little rabbit holes over the last few years. So 
I want this show to continue to be a really comfortable and chilled place where people can exchange ideas and we can talk about a lot of the more epic, big questions about life and also delve into some of the more nitty-gritty things. So, guys, with that in mind, welcome to part one of the show. And as usual, this has been a kind of recurring theme over the last month or so, couple of months. Actually, since the start of the podcast, roughly, was when I got a couple of kittens. I adopted a couple of kittens, and uh, they've sort of slowly settled into the flat here. And it's been really, really cool to go from that first day when they arrived. They were really, like, not in a good way. They were quite panicky. They ran under the couch and didn't want to come out for the whole night. Um, One of them actually ended up staying there for several days and would only come out to eat and use the toilet and then go back. They got transported here with a whole bunch of other rescue cats from a different country, and they had to cross a whole bunch of borders. I imagine that was quite a, a long and traumatic journey of, you know, 12, 15 hours in the back of a van. Um, obviously, they were in their own little, um, you know, carrier boxes with food and care, and these guys really did take care of them, and they found them on the street in the first place and nursed them, found them a new home, and so on. Um, so when they got here, they were really quite disheveled and a little bit shaken up. We had, I had this sort of like idyllic idea in my head that they would just, you know, prance out of their boxes as soon as they were here and leap into my arms and jump around and just kind of settle in and quietly become these sort of like nice, uh, pets that would just be a, a joy to be around and so on. And the first week or so was definitely a challenge. It was not like that at all. Um, one of them was even quite aggressive, very defensive, a lot of hissing, a lot of clawing, just not having it, not happy, not wanting to be there. And it was slow, a slow process of really kind of gently showing them that all they're going to get here is love and care. And this isn't the street or the shelter or the transporter that they're just here to exist and to have a nice life and they're always going to be fed well and they've got the vet when they need it and they get a lot of cuddles and care and love and you know little by little it kind of ebbed away at their let's call it ego beliefs that everything is terrible and life is shit and who are you and I I don't know where I am I don't know what I'm doing I can't understand the words that are coming out of your mouth I don't know what's going on I don't recognize these smells I don't recognize this vibe these noises it's so quiet here I live in a pretty quiet flat I doubt that they've ever had a, a, a quiet place so it was a definitely adjustment for them and It's a boy and a girl, and the boy was not castrated when he got here. So he was especially crazy, running around this little guy. He must have been, you know, just completely consumed by the chemistry of his body, as any teenage boy listener of this show could could attest to. So it was one hell of a week. That first week was pretty crazy. Um... And little by little, yeah, they just calmed down. They got much more relaxed. Um, They had a couple of medical issues, which got seen to by the vets and so on here. And little by little, they've 
really kind of grown into their own personalities. They're both very different. And I've, I've talked about them a fair bit on this podcast. So I, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of an update of what's happening right now. And that is that they've just become so lovely. It's just an absolute joy to have them around. They are uh, playful and fun and also very relaxed and calm. They, they, they really go crazy at times when they're playing and they're kind of running around and using the space that they do have. They're, they're house cats, you know, they're not meant to be going outside. I'll, I'll talk a bit, a bit about that in a second. Um, so they are, yeah, they're super active and they're kind of, uh, as you would imagine, like a couple of year old kittens, they run around and roll around with each other and then scratch up the things that we've given them to scratch and run down the hall and back and... We've built them this uh, kind of like step system so that they can get up to a ledge that's really quite high up on the wall. That way they can have this um, high vantage point and it's nice and cozy and cuddly up there. So very often they're jumping up and down and running around and going crazy. And then other times they just want to be uh, relaxed and they sleep like 15 hours per day. Easy. Sometimes it feels like they sleep the whole time. Um, they cuddle up to you. They do a lot of these things that I didn't know were typical cat things. They were all new to me, but obviously with a bit of research and as I started spotting some patterns and the behaviors that they're doing physically, you start to realize, oh, okay, that's just normal. That's a normal cat thing to do. For example, they, they sort of charge with their head at your hand or at your legs. And it's like a, it's, it's a thing that they have, they've got a very sensitive face their whiskers are very sensitive they've got scent glands on their face so they're always like rubbing their face against things like inanimate objects and also you the the human the owner and if you just kind of like brush their whiskers with your fingers when they're in that kind of cuddly mood they just love it they just get like uh they just become like butter in your hands they just absolutely love the um you know stroking behind the ears and when you we have this little brush that you can kind of uh, brush their hair and get rid of all of the extra fur and so on and I've even seen a couple times I've been lying on my back and the boy especially he'll get up on my on my on my chest and then kind of like walk his way down my legs and then he'll do this thing where he's sort of kneading my stomach you know, like kind of pushing his little paws into my stomach in a kneading motion like you would with a, a bread dough. So, uh, spoiler alert, I have a tiny bit of a, a belly. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's like, it's really interesting that that feeling of what, what what they're doing, you know, that action. I was kind of like, this is weird. Is is It's similar to when they're kind of getting themselves comfortable to lie down. They'll kind of touch the soft surface a little bit, but it, it was a bit more intense. It was like a real kind of push, pushing motion into the stomach. So I looked it up. I watched a few videos and I read a few articles and it turns out that it's similar. It's activating a similar part of their system as when they were very young and they were feeding uh, milk from the mum. They were drinking mum's milk. They would do that on the mum's tummy to indicate that they wanted the milk and to also um, kind of like stimulate the mum in such a way that it, she would give them milk. So that's kind of cool, you know, that they feel 
so comfortable and so relaxed that they literally think, you know, this this reminds me of when I was getting milk from my mum, or this is pushing that button, that instinct button, that perhaps has never been pushed before. I don't know if they ever had a mum. I don't think they did. From what I understand from the shelter, they were both found not in a good way, just on the street. One of them was stuck up a tree. The other one was, you know, just just completely savage out and about. And uh, lucky for us, they were saved and so on. And we, we found them through a friend of a friend and so on. So it's been really cool to get used to having these pets. I've never, I haven't really had a pet since I was about, I, I was about seven or eight years old. I had a dog for a short amount of time. And I have some fond memories of that dog, but it was also a very turbulent time uh, in in my life, in in the story of my parents and so on. And it just wasn't the the, the best context to have a pet in. Um, I think that was quite short lived. We were moving around a lot. My my parents had a lot of stress, uh, like you know, to do with illnesses and work and so on and. It was just a, a kind of an inopportune time. So my, my one experience of having a pet from my childhood was, you know, not not excellent. You know, it's like I, have, I have some nice memories of that, but some not so nice memories. You know, the dog got very sick and um, eventually it had to get put down. So it just wasn't it wasn't the kind of idyllic dream idea of what you would think having a dog or a pet as a kid would be. So I feel like there's been more than a couple of times where I've had to kind of nurse one of these little kitties with some medicine or something if they weren't doing well or whatever. And it's brought me a kind of flashback of that experience I had with a dog, um, a, a quite a sickly dog as a kid. And I'm almost like able now to heal that trauma, to kind of see it really for the first time, to kind of be reminded of it and also to heal it through caring for these pets like I've like I'm now an adult I'm now the person who's in charge of these little creatures and I feel like giving them the love and care that I want to give them and that they need is in a way not only of course helping them but it's also helping me it's helping me to heal my uh past experiences um you know that this not so favorable one of having a pet and also in general i just feel like it's given me a more well-rounded idea of what it's like to really care for something you know i don't have kids i don't have um any dependents in that way and this whilst I'm in no way comparing this exactly the same as having a kid, by, by all means, it's definitely not the same. But there's a, there's a percentage that it is the same. You know, is it 1%? Is it 3%? Is it 5? Is it 10? Is it 20? 30? Could you argue that it's half? Probably not half. Maybe like 10, 15% or something. Is it the fact that having two makes the percentage higher i don't know maybe like two cats equals 25 percent of having one kid i don't know i don't know i don't know what the maths is but all i know is that it's been something to really kind of uh embrace and get deep on and i've got a a, 
an episode of Question This Life where I went a little bit deeper into the uh, esoteric side of things with the kitties, like thinking about their consciousness, thinking about their place in this world, in this realm, thinking about their place in my life and my place in theirs. I've heard some esoteric teachings that apparently pets choose their owners in the same way that a lot of the Eastern philosophies think that humans choose their experience and the lessons they need to learn on this earth. So, you know, there's, there's one that you can kind of like get deep on when you, when you're really like in a, in a lovely moment with these two little kitties and they're just giving you so much love and you're giving it back and you just have this little moment where you're like, oh my God, what are these things? Are like, who's, who's the, who's the carer here? Because I feel like I'm getting as much of a vibe off them as they are off me. And, uh, you could argue that maybe they are the gods. Maybe they're the creators. Maybe they're the ones that are taking care of me. So that's, uh, just food for thought and a little bit of a kitty update. They are awesome. And if you don't have any pets and you've, been thinking about it just do it just get them and make sure that you know that you're in there for the long haul there will be a couple of nights where they keep you up there will be some expensive vet bills you've got to be kind of mindful of their feeding times and sleeping times and giving them things to play with and giving them all of the relevant medicines and certain types of food like the, the ones that I've got they can only have a certain type of food because they had a weak immune system when they were young so we're trying to get their immune system up by buying this um prescription only premium food that it does it's it's helping a lot of course but all of that is you know naturally a commitment it's one that I'm very very willing and glad and able to do so um Essentially, yeah, that's that's basically the cat update, and uh, it's a really good. It's been a really good experience. I've learned a lot. So that is the kitty update part of part one of the show, and uh, oh, and there was one other thing I wanted to mention on the cats, and this was the. It's been a real process to. I, I, I don't have a huge space. It's it's relatively comfortable. It's a pretty comfortable flat in terms of, you know, I've lived in much smaller places, but I was sure that introducing two new animals into this space could be quite a strain on the space. Like how much headspace you have you know, some alone times, a chance to think, a chance to, to, to just have some alone time. And I'm, I made a rule essentially when they came to the flat that they would never be allowed in the bedroom. So they're allowed in any other room. They can roam freely in most of the other rooms, even when I'm not there, when there's no humans around. But I always, always have a closed door policy on the bedroom. And that's even obviously at night when I'm sleeping in there, when I'm not here, that door is essentially closed to them. And that's been something of a, a, a process, you know. I would say that room is probably only about 20% of the whole flat, maybe 15% of the whole flat. Everything else is much, much bigger than this one room. 
But of course, cats are little curious creatures, so they wonder why they can't get in through that door. And as soon as it opens, it closes straight away. And sometimes, I guess putting myself in their shoes, they hear these kind of human noises, the familiar human noises, the the vibrations of the voice and, you know, a cough or a sneeze or something that tells them, ah, the, the humans that take care of me are behind that door and I can't seem to get there. You know, it's like some kind of like invisible force field here that's not allowing me in. At first, again, it was a couple of weeks of, it was real trials and tribulation. They were scratching at the door and meowing and all this kind of stuff. And it wasn't because of a lack of food or a lack of care. You know, they'd, they'd had a lot of attention and food and water and playtime and everything. And it was just time for bed. And they had to learn that they couldn't go into that room during sleeping time. A lot of people cave at that point and essentially just give in to the demands and then uh, open up the whole area to the cats. And then, of course, you've basically committed to their whole lifetime of being allowed to sleep in your bed, which is totally cool for some people. You know, some people don't want to have that boundary. They're totally cool to just have a complete 100% coexistence with their animals. And it's something that I was just very tentative about I was thinking there's going to be a time where I want some human time some headspace just a moment away from the animals knowing that they're completely safe knowing that they're fed and and cared for and comfortable but that they also know that they're not allowed in this room and it's got to the point now where they get it they understand it they no longer meow and try to get into that room they've put it in their frame of understanding that that room is off limits to them. They've never really been in there. They've, they've, you know, wandered in once or twice when the door was left open, but it was only for a few seconds. They don't know what's going on in there. And it's, it was a real challenge to get to that point, but it's, it's essentially been achieved. So I guess that's just, uh, uh, the moral of that story is just to per- persevere with these things. You know, you've got to set your boundaries when you invite new animals, new creatures into your home. You've, you're doing it because you're lending your uh, compassionate side and your caring side to some other forms of consciousness. And of course, that has to come with some level of boundaries. So it's been a real learning experience and I'm I'm doing this podcast as I'm surrounded by the two of them. They're so adorable. They're sleeping right now. One of them's right here on my lap, on my right. Very, very cutely sleeping. And the other one is lying on a uh, concoction, some sort of a makeshift cat scratching uh, surface that's got this kind of, you know, like Velcro-y type surface they can scratch on. And I've put... uh, some sort of a, a wooden stand underneath it that gives it this kind of like mountainous ups and downs and different levels and so on. They love different levels. They love going into holes. They love playing with little objects and hiding them and running around with them in their mouth. And I hide little treats for them all over the place. And like I said, they've got all this good food and drink and stuff. So they're happy. They're relaxed. And in turn, what they give to me as as an owner is real like calmness they relax me it's it's so nice to have that kind of love feedback you know you give them the care and the 
the the cuddles and the food and all that stuff and they give you that that comfort back you know like I've had a couple times where I'm just having a shitty day and I come home from whatever I was doing and I just kind of think like god I just want to I don't know cook some food and just kind of zone out and do nothing just think about just wallow in my crappiness today and one of them will just come up and just give you the most cuddly vibe you can ever imagine like reaching up to you this one she's only little she's super super small and she's reaching up as high as she can with her little paw just to get your attention so that you'll come down and rub her little head and then she'll kind of like climb on top of me and all this kind of stuff and and it's almost like all of those worries and all of that bullshit that I had in my head just melts away it's like how can I hold all that negativity and all that bad vibe when this little tiny little creature is so happy and so content to see me and just wants to share the love so um it makes you focus on the things that are important really the compassion the care the love and less on the bullshit in your life basically that's how i um would describe my relationship with these two little critters that's the cat update and uh I got some good news as well this week that the uh, outdoor shows are now possible. So as you guys know, if you've been listening to the show regularly, I'm a stand-up comedian and a performer. And it's been a real kind of stunted time over the last year or two, as it has been for many different places around the world. I'm in a really, really good spot, a perfect spot when everything is open and running and normal. I, I wouldn't want to be anywhere else in the world. This is exactly the spot where I need to be. I'm going to get into this a little bit more in the second part, but I just by chance with no plan whatsoever, essentially was was sort of guided towards this place. And it's really materialized into something that is perfect for me. It's exactly where I need to be. I can do, like I said, when everything is running and it's all good, I can do several shows per night you know if you're if you're willing to hustle and you're willing to get out there and perform and travel around and uh you know befriend and uh create a network of pro uh, producers and hosts and so on and bar managers and club owners and all this stuff if you get out there and you do all of the sign up at the door shows and you're doing all of the sign up on facebook shows and you're uh getting booked here and there you can do several shows per night and you can also host shows. It's, there's such an appetite for comedy here that the, the, there's a lot of fans who want to watch and be entertained. There's a lot of very, very new and very, very professional and all the levels in between comedians. And it's essentially just a perfect place to be doing the, the groundwork as you're kind of getting started, as you're getting the ball rolling for the first few years definitely. So I'm more than happy to be here and I'm more than happy to be doing my thing here, but it has felt like super, super stunted and essentially paused through this whole strange time. So it's, uh, there has been some good news, some silver lining more recently that outdoor venues can now host shows. So even with a, a you know a little speaker and an amplifier or whatever bars that have a an outdoor seating area or uh, there's a few like clubs here that have kind of uh, uncovered roofs and all this kind of uh, 
how can I call it, like shabby, chic, disheveled buildings that are kind of technically outside, they can all now also have shows. So all going well, I think even next weekend, I should have my first live performance on stage, stand-up comedy, in front of a crowd, with a microphone, with a lineup, the whole thing, the whole shebang. So I'm super, super excited about that. I have a lot of friends who at this in this time have done traveling around different places where there is stand-up still available. And whilst I wanted to do that and I had looked into doing some traveling, my current um, visa situation and the whole thing, it's now sorted, but it was not when that opportunity had presented itself. So I had to kind of stay put. And as I've also mentioned a lot on the show, I've been doing a lot of clubhouse and Zoom shows and all these other kind of online-based performance things, which are good and I'll keep doing them. And I'm sure that I'll keep doing them even when the live shows are there, you know, to some extent. But there's no replacement for the real thing. There's nothing that beats actually just being there and looking at people in the whites of their eyes and saying things and getting the feedback directly from them, you know? It's it's one thing doing it on a Zoom show where you can kind of see people's faces and you can get a bit of a feel. It's another thing doing it on Clubhouse where there, there are no faces, so it's, it's a different animal because you're just going by voice. There's no kind of uh, visual feedback or anything. But yeah, that's absolutely massive news for me. It's huge that the shows are allowed outside. And uh, that's going to be really, really cool. I'm sure that I'll have some um, interesting, I'm not going to say successful because it's been a while. I'll be rusty. Uh, who knows what's going to happen, but there will be some regular shows coming up soon. So I'm sure you'll hear about that if you stay tuned to the show. It's been a good kind of like nice piece of news which follows a really frustrating one which was again kind of semi-linked to the to my personal residency situation and so on but also just generally speaking the current infrastructure and the way that things are set up and all of this bureaucracy and all of this stuff it was it's it is essentially impossible for me to fly home to visit my family it's it's not been a possibility i'm having to fork out thousands, I'm literally saying like thousands of extra uh, euros, pounds, dollars, whatever, whatever, you know, you'd like to, to, to call it, just to cover all of the different things that need to be covered in order to get back. You know, these are unprecedented measures that are being uh, required for people even to fly home to the country of their citizenship. So it's been it's been really quite taxing, you know. It's been several years now since I've seen anyone in my family. We're doing that as much as possible as well with Zoom and, uh, you know, all of these video chats and all this kind of stuff. But how are you meant to kind of keep a connection, especially to two little uh, kids, you know, like a niece and nephew, they're single-digit age. That you, you need to be seeing those those people and, like, really kind of bonding with them and growing with them and, See, watching them kind of develop and so on. So that's been really taxing and uh, difficult to, to come to terms with, but it will happen when it's meant to happen. And for now, I'm just concentrating on the positives that things are going back somewhat to normality. 
And uh, at least these shows are kind of, you know, the first sign of that. And little by little, things will keep to snowball, I hope, um, because it's time, you know, people, all, all of these restrictions, all of this, uh, you know, all of this new expectation and all this bureaucracy and all this stuff, the authorities have to do something. I get it. But what, what, what is puzzling to me is the, the forgetting about not allowing people to see their families, not allowing to people to, to be kind of with each other physically, to bond and to just kind of talk and to sit next to each other and to go and watch a show and to go and perform at a show and to have a meal indoors and just to share some, some good vibes with your friends and your colleagues and all that stuff. All of that is also important. You know, it's, it's not just about prevention and risk management and all this stuff. What, what about the risk of people not being able to share their lives with one another and spend time with their families and do all of the things that we consider to be our normal lives? So I'm, I'm positive. I'm thinking forward that, you know, that there's a lot of love and care and passion in people and that will always find a way to shine through and light is always able to brighten up the darkness. So I'm just keeping that positive mindset and persevering forward, essentially. So, wow, this has been quite a long um, catching up with your host. I'm not going to lie, we're up to uh, about half an hour now. Usually it's only about 10, 15 minutes, but I seem to have a lot to say this week um, with what's going on. And uh, hey... Why not? I'll just go on to one more last point, which is that I've been considering some options to buy a used car. You know, I'm uh, at the moment when everything is so grounded, it's difficult to fly. It's difficult to do this, that and the other. Um, you know, it's hard to get a, a, a situation where you can go and b book a hotel and then have all your, your stuff in order and not have any hassle from any kind of authorities on the way there or on the way back. Um, so I've been considering just scraping together a few shekels and buying some kind of a, a used car, like nothing, it can't be expensive and I don't want to buy a bucket and, uh, I don't want to have any kind of problems like breakdowns and all this kind of stuff. And obviously that's quite difficult when you're on a low budget, but it's just something I've been considering, um, a little bit more seriously recently that would kind of open up the possibility of going away for a weekend or just doing something, you know, um, without the the added pressure of needing to book any kind of travel arrangements or anything like that. And hey, even if you sleep in the car for a couple of nights where you camp somewhere or something, um, I just think it, it would it would potentially open up that opportunity to go and uh, experience some of nature and maybe a little bit further down the line to actually go to a different city and so on, you know, um, just to kind of reignite that that part of life which has kind of been dormant for the last year or two um so that's it really that's kind of the update on the week in summary the shows are back little by little outdoor first um the cats are good i'm feeling positive i'm looking forward um the online stuff that i've been doing has been good and it's great to share all of this with you thank you so much for listening so we'll have a little bit of music now and then we'll go into part two where I will continue on a little bit from the story that we got to last week when 
you're feeling stuck in life, what you can do to kind of turn things around and figure out your way forward, keeping an open mind and uh, sharing some personal experiences around that. So stay tuned. So welcome back to the show. This is part two of this week's episode. And if you uh, listened to last week, you'll know that I kind of went on to some personal experiences in part two of last week's show. If you haven't already heard it, then by all means, go back and listen to it. Um, I essentially covered the very, very basics of, in my experience, what helped me when I felt stuck in life. You know, everyone goes through these moments where maybe you're in a career you don't like, you're in a relationship you don't like, you have like a toxic friendship that's just not working or that's not serving you or that's sucking all of your energy and draining you. Maybe you've got some passions that you have always wanted to pursue and you just haven't. Maybe you don't even really know what your passions are and you just need to do some soul searching and kind of really figure it out. Maybe you've spent your whole life just going completely with the flow and never really imposing your will or your desires into your existence. Or maybe you've spent your whole life dominating completely your existence and not allowing anything else in, not allowing yourself to have your views changed. You know, there's a huge spectrum of reasons why someone might feel stuck. So... As always, when I'm kind of talking about these topics and these side of things, I'm not necessarily saying that I know the answer because I don't know who you are, listener. All I know is that you're listening to this show and the best thing that I can give you is my honest word, you know, my personal experience. What has... But wow, it's seriously coming down with rain right now. Sorry, I just got uh, distracted by that. It's that kind of rain that's borderline hail, you know, it's like making a, a, a physical impact on the, the floor and the ceilings. I'm in a high rise and uh, I'm quite high up so I can, I can hear it hitting on the ceiling and it's just so powerful. Let me see if I can capture some of this. Yeah, that was that's like borderline tropical over here for me. Um, <laughs> haven't felt rain like that where I live now for a long time. So anyway, I digress. Uh, now that we've had the weather, John, let's get back to our host for the show, the normal show. So here we go. Uh, pressing on from last week. Yeah, that's right. So my uh, personal experience is all I can share with you. And... I hope, of course, that when I do that, you might find some value from it and then be able to take some value and some insight and a, and a tidbit and a crumb or something and then put it into your own life and then figure out your own way of coming to a better place and kind of 
figuring out where you need to go, where you've been, what you actually want to do, and so on. So you, you need to do the work. You need to do the hard work yourself. You need to even find out the things that you should start with. But all I can tell you is what I started with, and I went over this a little bit in the episode last week, but I essentially lost my job. I'd been doing a uh, career-based chase for about half a decade or so, going up the corporate ladder in a very busy city, fighting for salaries, fighting for promotions, uh, you know, office politics, not getting on with this person, getting on with that person, a lot of egos, a lot of big personalities, and a lot of bloodthirsty people, you know, in that world. And that environment is for some people, but it's not for me. And I found that out very quickly. By quickly, I mean over several years, but it's still quick in the grand scheme of things. And I mentioned in the last week's episode how I had this moment when I was coming home after getting sacked. Now, I don't know if anyone who's listened to this has ever been fired or told that you're, you know, you haven't passed your probation or you didn't quite get the grade to get into the thing that you were trying to get to or you're pursuing some sort of martial art or something that, that requires a certain level of competency and you're just not there yet, but you thought you were. I had this kind of like a bit of a dressing down moment, but I must say that on my way home, I felt positive. I actually felt positive. I felt like I'd had uh, uh, the, the weight kind of lifted off my shoulders. I felt like I'd been, I'd been kidding myself to think that I was in the right situation and that I was the man for that role and that I was find that I had found the thing that was going to give me happiness and meaning long term. I mean, even just saying that right now, I'm saying it with a smile on my face because I know how far off reality that was. At the, but at the time, I didn't. Obviously, I'd been telling myself, you know, this is it. This is the opportunity. This is everything you've been waiting for, blah, 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 blah. And uh, when I was coming home that day, I just basically thought, like, what am I going to do? You know, I spoke to family members. I had a couple of conversations with some friends. And I think that night... I just kind of like had some food, went to bed, whatever. It was just a no. I was like, okay, I'll think about, I'll, I'll really get into this tomorrow. I remember getting up early and my flatmate was having coffee and so on. He was just going to his job as he was normally. And he was like, so what are you going to do, man? And I was like, I don't know, dude. I just don't know. So he walked, uh, he walked away, he went to work. And I was just for the first time in like five years, I just had nowhere to go. I, I didn't have a job to go to. I wasn't at the time doing any sports or pursuing any arts or anything like that. I'd just been so absorbed in this kind of corporate ladder climbing path that once I was out, you know, like once I'd, I'd been given my, my notice, I was just like, wow, like what's left? You know, like what am I doing today? What should I do today? What should I do with my life? And at that point, I basically thought like, okay, what have I always wanted to do? I've, what have I always been into? The first thing that came into my mind was like stand-up comedy. This is something that has been, had at that time had been haunting me for years. I remember being about 20 years old or something like that, maybe like 
if I'm if I'm being honest, probably maybe like 17 or 18 years old is when I first considered that I wanted to try it. And I I grew up in a in a household that watched comedy. We loved stand up. I uh, was obsessed with it myself. I was obsessed with it through the the passion of my parents. Um, you know, it was it was a household that had a lot of laughs, comedy and laughing. And being able to make people laugh was a currency when I grew up. And, uh, you know, I come from, I come from a, a mixed family background and the cultures of both of and, and the, the predominant cultures within my family, like all different sides, uh, are essentially very humor based cultures. Um, so it, it was just essentially always a part of my life. And. I know a hell of a lot of funny people uh, from my family and from friends and so on growing up. And I used to watch a lot, like I said, especially on TV and the early days of the internet and so on. Obsessed, I would say, obsessed with comedy. I remember watching one comedy show live when I was about 17 or 18 in the local town where I lived. And that was the first time where I thought, ooh, I'd like to try this. But I just thought I was too young or didn't really know where to start or anything like that. So I just just planted the seed in my head. Then when I was at university or college, um, I remember one person who I knew, it was like a friend of a friend, was doing stand-up as well as studying. And I went to a couple of shows, uh, not of his, but just other shows, in that city, which was a bit of a comedy city. And I remember thinking there as well, like, ooh, definitely going to try that one day. You know, I can see myself doing this. And again, just kind of parking that as a dream. And then, you know, throughout life in this time, I wasn't doing stand-up comedy. But like I said, it was such a big part of my personality and such a big part of my history that the highlight of my day and the highlight of my friendships and my, uh, you know, family relationships and the, 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 the study groups at uni and my first, you know, foray into the business world, so much of it was making jokes and trying to make people laugh and being silly and all this kind of stuff. And I, I was just kind of not wise to it that that's what I was doing. I just thought that this was kind of my personality and, you know, hey, I'm, you know, just having a good time with this person, blah, blah, blah. But really, I know now, like deep down, this is, this was like something of a calling. It was like, it was, I, I'd been kind of primed for this. This is exactly what I wanted to be doing. And I just hadn't put two and two together that if you, if you name your passion and then you kind of just put the wheels in motion and just start following it, then you'll find it. So this coincidentally is not the story where I'm going to say like, oh, here, and, and all of this led up to me doing my first open mic and, and, and doing stand-up comedy. But I just, cause I want, I want to make it clear, like how long it took me to actually do that. Even in this time where I was reflecting on my life and kind of understanding what I want to do and my passions and so on, I named stand-up comedy. I named performing in there. I had a history of doing uh, acting at school I'd always been, you know, in a big part in the school plays and so on. I'd, I've, I've been a confident speaker forever, you know. I've, I've, I've loved kind of doing that sort of stuff. But I wrote it down in the passions and, and it just kind of got parked again. It got kind of like put to the side because 
at that time, I had to focus in my in my eyes. This is this was my way of thinking. I had to focus on the next check, the next income. Now, I definitely will share the whole stand up story in a little bit more detail. That was kind of just a little bit, a little bit of a tidbit in a future episode. So pay attention to that if you're interested. And uh, for now, I'm just going to focus on that time when I realized like I don't want to just hunt for another job. I kept that door open and actually I heard about a, a role through a, a, a colleague, an ex-colleague of mine, and they were like, you know, go and do an interview. I've, I've put the good word in and stuff. And I went down there and I did the interview and I noticed immediately when I was in that interview, I was like, I don't want to do this. I walked into an a- agency and it's just the same thing, you know, it's like the same, the same vibe. All the agencies give off like a similar vibe. It's, it's full of people, kind of like an eclectic, eccentric mix of people. Um, there's, you know, everyone is stressed. There's a few people rushing around. People are kind of looking at their screens, like freaking out because of their deadlines. There's a, f- a few people in suits in a, in a boardroom in the corner. And I kind of go there. I'm like, hi, I'm, you know, so-and-so here for the thing. And they're like, oh, God, yeah, God damn it. John isn't here because he blah, blah, blah. And then eventually John arrives and he's got no time. And he's like, well, you're who? Wait, what are you doing? And he's like, so wait, wh- wh- what is it? Wh- wh-? Like, And, you, you, you know, I'm kind of starting off from this terrible position where I'm trying to sell myself to someone who doesn't even know who I am, you know, probably didn't even arrange this meeting. Anyway. This what the one meeting I did, uh, the one interview I did in that kind of traditional job market was not good. It was the sign for me to be like, this is not what I want to be doing. Just to come in here and say like, hire me, you know, I'll be the one who can blah blah blah. It's it just wasn't my wasn't my vibe anymore. So that was really useful. Now, other things that I had earmarked as a possibility were was to become some kind of a freelancer or some kind of self employed person. At that time. I thought that I could uh, do that with the skill set that I had learned to date, which, you know, there was some truth to that. But what I didn't know is that as soon as you start doing that, you will identify new skills and new things that you didn't know that you could do that you could also sell as a service or a product to a, 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 a paying customer or a paying business. So for me, that process was... <clears throat> That process culminated in, and I went over this a little bit in last week's episode too, how I moved to a different country, at first for uh, a bit of a recce, you know, I just moved over there, Um, I stayed with a close friend who was working at a startup, and the plan was just to kind of have a conversation, just to talk and say, you know, like, here's what I do, maybe we can look at the job market here in this um, city and so on. And little by little, very quickly, in about the space of two or three hours, that conversation evolved into a pitch to the startup that my friend worked at. So I translated my knowledge to date, the stuff that I'd learned in the corporate ladder that I was climbing, into a packaged service to sell with a full-on pitch and a... a, a a real kind of strategic insight to it. And I got some time with the boss of the startup. And before I knew it, a couple of days from there, I was standing in front of the boss, not as someone who's interviewing for a job at his startup, but rather as 
an expert who is presenting the paradigm-shifting idea that this startup needs. And I captivated that person. I absolutely nailed that pitch. It was everything that I hoped it could be and more. And the reason is because I really, really worked on it. I really, really worked on it. I thought this could be my opportunity to have a start in the self-employment world. I'm not here begging for a job. I'm here showing this person how I think I can improve his business. And I'm here at a partner level, not at a employee level. And like I said again many times in this podcast, when you are confident and you believe the things that you believe and you place meaning on the things that you place meaning on, everyone around you can see it. This person bought the idea. They were like, I'm in. I love the idea. I love your passion. I love that you've just come over here and kind of bombarded me with this thing. I have no idea who you are, what, what you're talking about, but I like it. You're in. So that was a real moment where I was kind of like, wow, the, the, the people who've just sacked me because they said that I was, you know, out of my depth and all this stuff. All I've done is, is just repackage the same information and the same knowledge that I had three months ago but just done it with much more thinking and much more intention and much more thought and uh, depth and a much more like targeted idea. And it worked. And, and it showed me like, you have learned something. You do know what you're talking about. And there I was then. I had this opportunity to, in a diff completely different country, completely different city, completely different place, to start again and to be not an employee, but a freelancer, someone who is employed by contract just for a specific amount of time, which was also nice. You know, I have like this amount of confirmed time, confirmed work, here are the expectations, off you go. That that sounded to me so much better than, you know, the, the kind of vague job description that you start with at a company that actually turns out to be two or three times as much as one person can do, or way too little to fill someone's time. And then you kind of have to claw your way through this and kind of work, work your way through the murky waters of other people's egos and other people's plans and the managers and the owners and all this stuff. This was like, hey, here's what I can do for you. Here's how much it's going to cost. Shall we do it? And the guy was like, yep, cool, let's do it. So... I learned a lot in that little period of time when I was working for that startup in this kind of uh, 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 partner or freelancer role. And it was it was really useful because whilst the actual project did not pan out exactly as I hoped it had, it was the exercise of coming up with an idea, backing myself to really deliver it in a pitch and to, to, to have that full confidence in what I'm saying, and then for it to be bought, and then to actually put it into place, and to, to, to get the ball rolling, and to start it, and to, and to nail it. And um, I had a, a, a misunderstanding with this startup owner at the end of my project. So I presented my case as to how I, what I did with the time I had and the resources I had 
and what I achieved and what I had set up and how much that could achieve if given more time and energy and attention. And of course, this person is a very uh, prolific startup uh, owner. This was not the first time he's he's run a business. And this person wanted to see a lot more than what I was saying. And they also wanted to pay a lot less than what was needed to be paid. Not just for me, but also the infrastructure and all of that stuff. And in addition to that, of course, my time and everything that, that kind of came with it. And what they offered me at the end, they did offer me a position, at least something that would keep our relationship alive. And it just was not in any way, shape or form what I was looking for. So actually, that was another learning, because it's the first time I've had a showdown, essentially, with someone who has a standing and someone who has some real clout behind him. You know, I'm sitting in his boardroom, in his meeting room. And, I, you know, he said, here's the situation. This is what we, this is, you know, now that we've had this situation, he did a lot of like pacing around the room. He was like quite an eccentric guy. He was kind of, uh, you know, kind of humming and ahhing, like, what should we do? And he brought in his uh, director who rubbed the wrong way. Me, me and him just kind of like didn't quite see eye to eye in that short time that I was there. And I felt like it was a bit of a mobbing, to be honest, these two guys, um, kind of, uh, I feel like they were trying to play a strong hand and to say, you know, here's, here's what, here's what's on offer. And I think they were actually quite surprised when I turned it down. And I was very honest about why I turned it down. You know, I said, I know what I've got here. I know this system works. And I also didn't like the way that they were interpersonally with each other, with their staff. I wasn't bought into the idea of what they were offering. I didn't really like how they were treating their customers as well. There was a lot of reasons why I didn't want to take the opportunity that they were giving me, having done that bit of work. And then on top of that, I felt like it was a, a laughable compensation that they were offering for the, the potential growth and insights that they were going to get. So I turned it down. And... That's also something that I've not done I to, to date. At that point, I had done it once or twice. I think I'd turned down a job offer or a work opportunity, but only through kind of like, uh, you know, interview stages. I'd never actually had one where I was offered something based on work that I had delivered and that they really wanted me to join, but under some circumstances that I wasn't happy to. And I was very, very encouraging for me as a person to stand my ground and say no these are the the figures that I'm expecting this is why and if not then walk away and the answer was walk away so great excellent now um one of the key things that I figured out in that time and I mentioned this in the last episode was my ability to speak into a microphone and on camera the idea that I had sold to this startup was essentially, long story short, a video marketing idea. And we needed a person to do the video marketing. So the actual presenter or host of the video. And unexpectedly, essentially, I just volunteered to do it. I was uh, pitching this idea with a friend. 
and this friend had experience in filming people and recording their voice and all this kind of stuff. So he set me up, he set up the cameras, he set up the microphone and it was like, okay, right, have you got your script? I've written a script. It was like, cool, let's go, let's do it. So we start and boom, I just nailed it. I absolutely nailed it. First few takes were perfect. We did a little bit of tweaking and so on. And this, you know, of all of the things that happened in that in that time when I was doing that project, the back and forth with these, uh, the owner and the directors, the the all of the technical programming that had to be done, all of the thinking and the big thinking and the strategic planning and the the way that we were going to use social and all of the all this other stuff was 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 kind of like in my mind a little bit peripheral to identifying that I'm really, really good at speaking into a microphone and on camera. I was thinking the whole time in the back of my mind, like, wow, I've actually got this new skill here. This is something I didn't even know I was good at. I didn't know I had a, a good voice. I didn't know that I had a clear dictation. I didn't know that that there was a, a, a route out there for people to, to make money and to build a portfolio and to really kind of get the ball rolling with this uh, career path. I just, I had never even really thought about it. Like who who makes the voice clips for adverts or audiobooks or, um, you know, answering machines or any of this kind of stuff. Like I, I had no idea, you know, I, I just kind of thought it was a, 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 a private club, you know, a, a, a thing where you've got to know someone to, to get in there. And it's just absolutely not the case. So after that business opportunity fell through with this startup, I identified this this new skill, this new ability. I understood more about my knowledge to date. I absolutely nailed a completely original pitch, you know, a brand new idea that came from my consciousness, my experience to date, and kind of molded and, uh, you know, packaged in such a way that it would attract this particular person at their particular startup and the the intricacies of the startup that were made aware to me through the friend who I had that was working there all of these things were 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 so useful at that time you know it's a time, a transition time you've just lost your job you're in this new place and the, you know these first opportunities were just so useful that it's kind of irrelevant that it didn't really work out the point of it is i did it I did those things. I, I, I absolutely put my heart and soul into it. And now I'm in the perfect position to take the next step. So this is now something I'm going to get into in the next episode. We're doing this kind of week by week now. This is quite a long story. And uh, the next part will be discussing a little bit more of the things that came after that. So once I had done that short stint at the startup, um, and it didn't quite work out to plan to continue working with them long term. But these new skills and passions had been highlighted. Um, a working relationship with a friend had been highlighted and had started to materialize. I started to really feel comfortable in this new country. I immediately started to pick up a little bit of the language. The, the, the vibe in my life had completely changed. I, I was 
becoming more and more comfortable with the idea of giving up my flat in the place where I was previously living and even more and more comfortable with the idea of going away from my family and just trying something completely new. And all of that came from saying yes and just trying stuff and just digging deep and taking this opportunity of like losing my job just to really drill down and understand what is my value? What can I offer people? What do I want from life? What are my passions? What are things that I've put on hold? And all of that essentially got me to that point where we are now in the story. So tune in next week because in the second part of the show next week, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that um, uh, business partnership that blossomed, had a lot of ups and downs that followed uh, this initial stint at the startup. I'm going to talk a lot about my first freelance work, the first work I did using uh, freelance platforms, the first work I did using direct clients, how I got those first projects, what I did to go from, you know, earning zero per month to just a little bit more than zero, then just a little bit more than that, then just a little bit more than that, and, and you know, how that kind of thing sort of snowballs and the, the little progressions forward essentially become a big progression over time. I'm going to talk a little bit about my, you know, finding a new place in a new city and that making that final decision to leave home and all this kind of stuff. So this story is going to be developing nicely over the next few weeks. And uh, I hope that you're getting value from this. All I'm doing is sharing my personal experience and the various steps in my life that have happened to highlight certain things that just weren't right, didn't feel right. I wasn't doing the right thing. I wasn't fulfilling my contract to myself, you know, like really kind of pursuing stuff and that I found meaningful and that I found passionate, that I had some passion for. And uh, like I said, this is not gospel. This is not someone who's telling you that this is the way that you need to do it. All I'm saying is what I did and the things that I found. Um, I'll be getting into a lot more of the um, books I read at that time, podcasts that I tuned into, lectures that I studied in that kind of uh, transition time. And hopefully... Whoever's listening to this, wherever you are, you can take these experiences and these insights and just kind of mold them into a way that fits into your life. You know, like with the opportunities that you have around you, with your immediate network, with your family, with your friends, with your uh, work opportunities, with what's going on in your town, your village, your city, your country, whatever, wherever you are, there's always a way to change things around you for the better. You can always improve the world within which you live. So um, with that said, we're coming towards the end of the show. I really appreciate this opportunity to share experiences with you guys. I hope you found this useful. If you have, please don't forget to like, share, subscribe, all of those lovely things. Keep tuning into the show. This is a weekly show. So at the beginning of next week, you can expect the next episode. And uh it's been a pleasure. I absolutely love doing this. This is the highlight of my week at the moment. And I'm looking forward to sharing with you, hopefully, some live performance stories that are coming up over the next couple of weeks. 
and also to continue with these stories of um, that personal experience and, you know, pivoting from one thing to another. So I'm rambling now. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Keep tuning in. Love you guys. Catch you soon. Thank you for tuning into this episode of Question This Life. You can listen to the podcast at questionthislife.com, as well as all of the main podcast platforms. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and get involved.